0: The gospel is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 41 to 44. And when he drew near the city, he saw it and wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up barricades around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground you and your children within you and they'll not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation this is the word of the lord please do take your seats again The Apostle Paul explains that God wants us to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, he says, and pleases God, our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. It's 1 Timothy 2, 2-4. As a toddler, my parents kept me on the straight and narrow path that makes for flourishing. On walks, they would keep me on reins so that I couldn't run out into traffic. In shops, they controlled which treats I could and couldn't have, and so on. But as children become adults, you have to detach the reins and permit them to exercise choice, even when you don't agree with them. In a similar way, God gives humans the dignity of choice so that we can make our own way in the world, shaping our characters and entering into genuine relationships. This freedom which finds its ultimate goal and challenge in Jesus means God allows us to do things that he doesn't want us to do and even to spurn our maker. What an astonishing thing for God to make himself vulnerable to his creatures in this way. The superficially enthusiastic welcome of the crowds during Jesus's messianic donkey ride over the Mount of Olives and onto the temple that this passage comes from was based on the crowd's assumption that he would destroy the Romans for them. Amid all the loud praising and waving of palm leaves he alone could see their true motives and the sinful, selfish and unbelieving hearts of the majority. Outwardly, they seemed to recognise him, but inwardly, they refused to recognise and accept him, even to the point of demanding his crucifixion a few days later, despite all of the ample signs and evidences that they had received. As the theologian Leon Morris comments, There is an ignorance that is innocent, but there is also an ignorance that is culpable. These people had the revelation God had made known in the scriptures of the Old Testament. They had the continuing evidence that God was active in the life and ministry of Jesus. They could see in him that God had not forgotten his people. There was every reason for them to accept all this evidence they rejected God's Messiah. They would have to live with the consequences of their rejection. It is this that brought forth Jesus' tears. The the did not in Luke 19.44 is, if you like, a euphemism for a culpable would not, as seen in Jesus' lament earlier in Luke, in Luke 13.34, where he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Indeed, in the Old Testament, God's people have to actively take refuge in the shadow of God's wing By refusing to take refuge in Jesus, Jerusalem not only rejected the one who was the way for peace with God, but the one who was the way for peace with Rome. For Jesus told people, Render to Caesar things that are Caesar's, and to God things that are God's. And he encouraged non violent resistance to Roman oppression. I say to you here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. For the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Indeed, Jerusalem rejected Jesus, at least in part, because of their desire to hate their enemies, to do evil to those who did evil to them, to metaphorically return Rome a slap in the face. And so the city of peace ironically refused to recognize the divine visitation that made for peace. As in the days before the Jewish exile, God permitted his people to go their own way, despite his warnings, and consequently turned his face away from them. Just as the Babylonians conquered the rebellious people of God, so the Romans would conquer Jerusalem in the Jewish war, climaxing with the destruction of the temple, just as prophesied by Jesus. Jesus came to bring sinners into a new covenant of peace with God, prophesied by Jeremiah. Have a look at Jeremiah 31 and 31 following. He came to grant the perfect peace of God that passed this all understanding. Jesus gives every opportunity to people to possess this peace, yet many reject him. And the Prince of Peace is also the King of Kings, who judges and wages war. As it says in Revelation. Of his own people, Paul wrote, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. It's in Romans 10. I think the truly astonishing thing to grasp here is that to enable our freedom to believe God suffers himself to be rejected by the humans he created. Perhaps next time we are tempted to reject Jesus' way of doing things we may be fortified against temptation if we picture him not only as the one who treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, but also picture Jesus weeping over our rejection of the only path to life in all its fullness. Amen.